Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Bridging Impact Podcast, the podcast that is passing wisdom to the next generation of athletes, coaches, and parents to transform leaders on and off the court. And in today's episode, we get the privilege and opportunity to interview Heather Henson. Heather has been a soccer coach at the Division I level for over 20 years, and now she is in the recruiting space, helping young athletes get recruited to play college sports, not only soccer players, all players. And we talk about how to do that for young athletes. So a lot of great tips and wisdom. We actually talk, dive into you know how to you know play connected as a team. So a little bit for the coaches, a little bit for the parents, a little bit for the athletes. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the Bridging Impact Podcast, Heather. I'm thrilled to have you on and share those nuggets that we were just talking about right now um, with the audience that's listening and with each other. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Justin. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, let's dive right in. And, you know, Bridging Impact's all about transforming leaders on and off the court, about how sports have an impact on our lives. And so, you know, can you just share your story of, you know, soccer and as a player and coach and, and what kind of impact has soccer had on you? I know it's a super easy softball <laughs> question to start. Right? It is. Thank you for lobbing that up. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, honestly, uh, you know, I've thought about this question, gosh, throughout my uh, youth career, especially into college and into coaching. Um, in college coaching. And um, my dad always taught me to give back, right? To give back to the game, to give back to people. And, um, you know, he, he would give his time and attention uh, playing with me in the backyard. Um, he eventually coached me at some point. Um, he knew, he gave me an example of giving back, not only coaching us, but also playing soccer. He played in adult league as well to figure out, okay, if I'm going to coach this, I have to jump into it. Um, so, you know, taught me a lot about really, what does it mean to give back? And, you know, it was a sport that I I was lucky enough to play through my youth. Um, I was lucky enough to play in high school and then get an opportunity and really just truly be blessed enough to get an opportunity to play a division one college soccer. And, um, you know, it, it, that resonated with me. My dad's give back always was just in my head. And, um, and so it was like, but what does that look like? Right. What does that look like as a college player? Cause you know, you're doing your college thing. And your own in your own college right. sport, and and so um, then as I got to my senior year, right, junior and senior year, and started going, what am I going to do with my life? Right, I love sports, but at what point does it does that end for you? And so then it was like, okay, I'm supposed to give back to the game. That's what I've always been instilled, and I've had amazing mentors um, with that. And so I wanted to do what they did, and and I was lucky enough, right, that sports um, can help, uh, right, can be a profession. And not just on the soccer field. Luckily for me, not just on the soccer field, right? Um, there wasn't a women's professional uh, league at that time. Um, and so I went into college coaching. And um, it, you know, the, the world of soccer as a, as a player, as well as going into to coaching, um, really being as a player, you were allowed to and encouraged to be a strong, independent uh, young woman right? It was okay to have two personalities, right? Be the nice girl and, and be that good person of good character off the field. But on the field, you could be aggressive and competitive and have a voice, right? Because you needed to either organize your teammates or respond to them because they're telling you, you know, you have to mark up on a player, um, but you have, to, you have to organize your team, right? And you have to listen and communicate. And so it really taught me, I need to have a voice and I'm allowed to have a voice. And that's not yelling or complaining 
Um, it's how a team links together. And it allowed me to, to see what strong, a strong female looks like because I had some really um, great mentors. As I mentioned, Janet Rayfield is one of those. And um, she's still in the college game at, right now, right? She's a head coach at University of Illinois. And, and so her mentorship, um, our college, the, the college I went to, UNC Greensboro, they had a female assistant who was on the, the women's national team, the first one that world, won the World Cup, Lori Hendry. And so I had some really great female role models as well as, as male role models that allowed us to express that. And so those are really, you know, those big pieces. And then my dad has continued to resonate in my head as a college coach. He gives back, but what does that mean? It's not just X's and O's. And so I just continue to keep those people right sitting on my shoulder or in my head, just resonating those, those thoughts constantly. That's a great place to jump off because giving back is what I feel like, you know, a ton of coaches I've really pride themselves on. It's like that blood that, that runs through all of us that we just, we love the game so much, whether it's soccer, whether it's basketball, baseball, and we want to be able to give that back to the kids. And, you know, you bring up an interesting point around having a voice. And I think I'd love to kind of expand on that. And like, as, as a college coach, how did you, you know, emphasize that as part of your teachings, you know, to help, you know, players have a voice? Yeah, I, I, that's a great question. Um, and, and I think males, females across the board, um, right, have to have to be aware of this. And, and, and sometimes they're hesitant, and sometimes they're over energetic, right. And it's finding the balance of it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of Let's, let's use freshmen in high school and freshmen in college, right? Because there's three other classes above you. And that's a, that's a right. scary time to have a voice. How do you have a voice as the youngest on the team? Mm. Um, and, and so for us, uh, at, at all of the colleges I was a part of, um, we really tried to make sure that we were providing opportunities uh, to use your voice. And quite honestly, sometimes that was we would pick out players um, who are going to communicate, who are going to organize the defense or going to organize the forward line. Right. And, and so it, it, it may not have been the captain or the center back who's traditionally great at that, but it was a, a younger player or a different position that may not have that big of a voice role. Um, and we, so we literally pick out players um, on the field yeah. in training, right. Uh, who's who's going to run warm up? Sometimes it was, let's, let's, it wasn't always the ones that you expected. We would potentially, we would purposely, call out players to do that um and then off of the field we one of the things that we did um that was really really important and and i didn't do it until gosh until tammy Mathini, one of my really good friends um and yeah. she she's like why don't we try this exercise and it was phenomenal it was basically helping us realize what what uh what do i need from you right as a teammate um, and how do I respond? How do I respond in good and bad, right? And then how I can relate with you better. And so one of the best examples I give you is, um, I, I, I think on every team I've had at least one of these players, it's that player who, man, she knows the game and she is vocal and she's going to say, step, step, you got to defend, step higher, right? The urgency yeah. of the game is calling for that to be said with an intense voice. Well, there's right. somewhere somebody on the field that may take that personal. And so mm -hmm. it's helping them go. Have, so that's the, we have to help both of these people. And so we did this exercise um, away from the field, right? Away from a training session. And it's helping, let's say Sarah, Sarah to voice and say, hey guys, 
I know my voice can sound mad and ornery and, and just irritated when I'm telling you to step in defense. She goes, I'm not. It's the urgency of the situation. Mm. So when I'm doing that, please understand I'm not mad at you, you know, and I'm not mad at you. I just need you to do it. And if you want to respond and go, got it, then we now we're linked together that much quicker. And so I, I always said it before I met Tammy, I always said, listen to the content of what is saying versus the tone and how it is said. That's an interesting point. And I think I would love to, you know, kind of expand on, you know, the purpose of, you know, having some of these exercises and dialogue off the field, like off the court versus like on, on the, on the field and like diving into it right at that moment. Can you talk about how some of these different, like, you know, exercises, right? Like bringing in Tammy, like for the mental game performing and then, you know, leadership activities and how those really help tie in. Because I think a lot of times when I think about coaches, they think about, you know, there's only so much time. I got to only focus on the X's and O's and the skills that, you know, we need to develop, but they, and coaches know that it's important, right. To develop, you know, the leadership side of things, the mental side of things. But can you talk about how, you know, some of these communication, you know, exercises has really helped actually to um, X's and O's and on-field performance. Yeah. I mean, quite honestly, um, you know, we had a season uh, with one of my college teams where we started off uh, not on the winning side of the record at all. Right. Um, and yeah. it was, it wasn't because they weren't working hard. It wasn't because they didn't know the X's and O's. It, it wasn't any of that. Um, it was just right. getting them on the same page and linked together. And so um, we as coaches, what do we want them to be perfected uh, and mastered the X's and O's, but how do we do that? And what are some of the, the not complaints, but what are some of the things, the struggles that we have as coaches? It's like, oh, they need to talk more. They need to connect more. They need to yeah. organize more. Well, communication, listening and talking right. and somebody not being afraid to step up with that voice because a leader one of my assistants uh, years ago, she's, gosh, she's so wise, uh, Val Tysinger. She said, you know, it's, it's not always the first, it's not the leader, it's the first follower that is critical, right? And so I, I, I kind of blend those together. I think you need that one person who's willing to step up, but they know that they have a supporting person right with them, right? That first follower. Uh, because then that reassures, I'm not, no, my teammates aren't going to take that personal. I can do that and they will receive it in the right frame. And so, you know, that year we didn't start out, right? We started out one, seven and one. We ended up uh, on a roll, seven, uh, two and one, won the conference tournament, played in the, in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And, and quite honestly, is because we had some great leaders who really um, used their voice in the right ways, but used their heart to lead their voice. And, and that was because we, we did things on the field, but also invested that time off the field with, with simple exercises, right? It doesn't mean you have to go in a classroom and sit for 30 minutes or an hour. Sometimes right. we would go in our training room and spend an extra 10 minutes, you know, but right. they were nuggets that they were feeding on consistently. And it's like seeds, right? Where you're planting them. And then, you know, the more you talk about them, you know, on the field, on the court, right? It's like watering those seeds right. and like being able to help them connect, you know, like, you know, when, when playoffs come along and then the tournament comes along and that's when you guys, when you, the teams can be flourishing. And, and with that, you kind of bring up a great point about just 
it's connecting with teammates and it's so much bigger than, you know, the one-on-one and like, you know, cause I, I'm not super sure what the highlight world looks like for soccer, but I'm sure it's a lot of goals, right? Just like in basketball, they show a lot of, you know, and, and so you have to kind of get that team buy-in to get everyone to, you know, kind of row in one motion. So with that, I'm curious, you know, getting everyone on the same page, you know, what, how have you approached that? You know, I think, it was an interesting point talking about the follower. And I actually think, you know, the first follower is oftentimes a leader because it, it takes a little bit of humility to be like, okay, right. I'm going to let my guards down. I'm going to let, you know, player a lead us. Right. Um, so I was just curious, you know, what are some other, uh, you know, tips for coaches to, to help their teammates get on the same page? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think vulnerability, right. Having this, the discussion um, mm. about vulnerability, but also reminding yourself, as a coach and reminding your players that we're human. And so we do make mistakes. And I think, because I think, right, fear comes from vulnerability, which comes from fear of not wanting to be vulnerable. Like it's just, it's just a crazy cycle. And, right. and so I think it's put it, put it in the room. It's an elephant that's sitting in everybody's brain and it's okay to put it out there and allow that space to sit. Right. And, um, acknowledging, you know, as a coach, I, I can think of a handful of times, well, way more than that, but right now I can think vividly of about five where I literally looked at Timo and went, that's my bad. I, I didn't get the right yeah. game plan or, you know what, I set this drill up completely wrong. And so letting them know it's okay to fail because I, I failed you for a moment. Now we're going to change it. Right. Cause I don't want to keep doing that. Right. Um, and so I think showing vulnerability, I think showing character through that. I think um, being able to do, I, I think one of the, when I think of teammates connecting, there's two things, I, uh, two stories that I have, if you don't mind. Um, one of, one of yeah, my of players, uh, Tara, uh, she's actually now an assistant athletic director at a high school. And uh, she, so she's in the administrative yeah. side, but again, can't get out of athletics. And, and she had a handshake or a pregame, not only the handshake, but a pregame activity, handshake or high five or heel clicks or whatever with the individual one for each player on our team, not just the starters, every yeah. single player. And Tara knew every single oh. one of them. Like she made a point to go, this is Belicia's, This is Sarah's. This is Coca's. Right. And, and would do that right. before every game, even if she was starting and they were on the sideline. Um, and another example I have is a young lady on our team, um, again, all conference player, right? She had all these accolades. So everybody could look up to her alone on her athletic success, but she didn't hang her identity or her hat on that. Her goal was to make sure freshmen coming in all felt comfortable. And so uh, she had one freshman one year that she was struggling to connect with, right? Because uh, honestly, we were coming out of COVID. So it was like, what are all the rules? And um, right. And so she looked at me one day and she said, I got this freshman to talk to me now. And I said, okay, awesome. She goes, my next goal. She is going to ask me to go to lunch before we leave for Thanksgiving. Right. And so she, so she, she had, she had to get enough of a relationship that this freshman was going to ask this upperclassman, Hey, you want to go to lunch? It sounds easy, but it could be the scariest thing for a freshman. Um, And I was, yeah, that's a hard dynamic. Yeah. And yeah. sure enough, it did. And she, she, the next day I saw her at practice after it happened, she goes, guess what? I got a lunch date, right? And so it nice. was so rewarding for her, not because she accomplished her task, but she now 
has a freshman who's opened up enough, right, to have conversation and to really, again, connect because you connect more, you know, if it's a, if it's a middle school team, they go to class together. If it's a high school team, they have some classes together. But what do you do off of the court or right. the field that lends to success on the field, I believe? Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely a, a believer in that. And that it's so nice to have a super connector on your team like that who really cares about, right, giving back and making sure that the underclassmen feel like they belong on the team. And so finding maybe for those coaches that are listening to be like, okay, maybe I have player A might be able to, you know, kind of bring someone along. And I can share actually a similar story about a buddy who played on my high school team. And apparently, I didn't know this until like this last winter when we were all sharing stories together is um, my buddy Geronimo, you know, who is his, he was a freshman, he was a freshman on varsity and he had transferred from a different school district to our school district. And so he had no friends. Um, and our varsity baseball coach asked one of our, I think he must've been, he must've been a senior at the time to take this kid to lunch, um, to take Geronimo to lunch. And, you know, that's something that Geronimo, you know, obviously still talks about and something that's really important to him. So like, honestly, it's just encouraging that that lunch aspect mm -hmm. of things is, is huge, especially for, you know, newer players, underclassmen, whether it's, you know, collegiate or high school. And I'd love to kind of, you know, kind of shift that gears to talking about like high school and collegiate and talking about the recruiting process, because I know you've kind of, you know, shifted your career from going from collegiate coach to now you're helping, you know, athletes with getting recruited and not just soccer athletes, all mm -hmm. athletes. And, you know, from just starting from square one and kind of going from where we talked about before, like what is, what are the first steps when you meet a, you know, a young player, young athlete, whether they're an eighth or their freshman year, like what kind of are the first steps to, to getting recruited and, and playing collegiate sports? Yeah. You know, I think the first thing is first and foremost, right. They have to sit down with their, their parents and go, do I want to do this? Right. Do I do right. I want to be a college student athlete? Um, and, and there are so many different opportunities and so many different levels. And so uh, the, the time demands are different at the, at the different uh, levels, organizations. And, and that's OK. Right. Because it, it opens the door for more people to play. So I think you have to first and foremost, you have to ask that question. Right. Do, is this what I want to do? Um, and if it's yes, but I'm scared about time management. OK. Right. Then. It's, it's then going, okay, what do I need to begin to do, right? And, and most people will say, this is a conversation you want to have, you know, your, your eighth grade year, your freshman year. Um, and, and every sport, again, every sport recruiting timeline is different, right? And, and recruiting rules have some differences. And so being aware of the, the basic rules for NCAA, NAIA, junior college, um, you know, and, and you can find those, you can find those on the website, right? You can, you can do some Google searches. I mean, that's the great thing about technology and the web for us is we can find a lot of information. Uh, we can also find a lot of misinformation too, right? So, so right. it's about being intentional um, with, with our connection points in, in our education. Um, one of the other things I have, I, I recommend is that we have to figure out you, what do you want? How far away do you want to go from home? Do you, um, what do you want to study, right? Um, what part of the country do you want to be in? What type do you want to go to state school, a private school, a, a Christian-based school, right? So, so kind of diving into who am I and what's important to me? And that's going to be what I call the North Star because then that gives you, it may not give you the final school's name, but it gives you the direction we're going in, you know? Um, and I think you need to make a list. A lot of people have dream schools. And 
they just think that's going to naturally happen. And if it doesn't happen, then they'll stay close to their local school, right? Um, if they really want to play college sports, man, let's put a big list of schools together, right? And, and what I do is I do, you got to have a, a reach school where like your dream school, a target schools, and then safety schools, you know, and make that list bigger earlier, right? Because the process is then you're beginning to whittle it down as you begin the communication and the recruiting, the deeper into the recruiting process, then that big number, so 20 schools, finds its way. You add some schools, you take schools out, and it eventually gets to top three, right? And, and for me, I think the goal would be if you could find a top two or top three schools, and it was like the littlest thing that separated them on your pros and cons list, then you can't go wrong. Right. They're both would be great schools right. for you. And for me, man, that's that's the hope. That's the ultimate goal is it's helping families analyze the, the, the student athlete. Who am I? What do I want? Educating them and their families and then empowering the student athlete to take uh, use their mind and their voice to take action and ownership of this recruiting process to find their school. Right. Colleges, they're not going to come knocking on your door because. There's a lot of colleges and a lot of student athletes, but you have to put yourself out there. You have to market yourself. You have to showcase, you have to highlight you, not just highlight films. You have to highlight you. Can I communicate right. in an email? So, um, but those would be the first big steps is, is right. Do I want to go weird? What region, what part, what, what's, who am I? Right. And then beginning to, to put that list of schools together. Those first major steps, I would say. Yeah, no, that's really important. And I'd love to dive into a little bit more on the who am I and why that's so important, because I don't even think I even thought about that. Um, you know, when I think about the recruiting process, I think about, oh, is there a school that's offering me? Let's go, <laughs> right? But like, you know, there's more to it, like we had in our conversation before. And, you know, as a small town person, do I want to stay in a small town? Or do I want to, you know, kind of go take the leap and be in a big city, you know, and, and can you talk about, you know, how, maybe share some stories or, you know, some of the processes that you've had, you know, recently with, you know, conversations with young athletes, trying to help them really figure out what the right area, what the right type of school is for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly, uh, you know, a recent conversation that I had, one comes to mind is that, um, gosh, you know, she, she watches, you know, college soccer on, on TV all the time. And she's just been a soccer junkie, right. Which is awesome. Like that's, that's awesome. We love gym yeah. rats, right. Um, and so, right. um, so she wanted to play as high at the highest level she possibly could. Right. And, um, right. you know, so we started that process. She's, she's emailing with schools. Well, one of the conversations I had with her, um, we talked a lot about, um, where does, where does playing time fit? Where does, you know, she'd answered those questions, but that was a while ago. She forgot. Right. But it was like, okay, so, you know, as you're getting responses or not getting responses from school, let, let's dive a little bit. You know, let's bring up that topic again, right? And she's like, oh, oh, Heather, I, I want to play. I want to play as a freshman. And I go, okay, well, why? And she goes, well, I think that will, you know, it'll set me up for success later on. And, and so as the conversation evolved, I said, okay, um, so what happened? You know, what would happen if you didn't get that playing time you wanted as a freshman? She goes, I think I would be upset. I think I would struggle. I think I would be unhappy, right? And so so I kind of, we went on to some other topics. Eventually we came back. We came back about, a, about two days later, right? Um, and I reconnected with her because I wanted her to, I wanted to see if that soaked in at all for her, right? 
And uh, so we reconnected right. again and I said, okay, do you remember you talked about this? So we went through it again, but now we, we dove into it deeper. Okay, so the power five level that you want to go to, like that's not what you're saying you want to play. That's not the level, right? That's, you're going to, this is, this is, this is the schools. These other schools on your list, these are your target schools because these are the ones where you could find yourself in that role and really being an impact as a freshman. So yeah, it's a difficult conversation, right? Who wants to say you can't play at this level? But it, it wasn't me saying that it was your goals and your dreams don't match right now. Yeah. Right. No, that's a, that's a really interesting point. That's that's exactly what I was hoping to, you know, kind of learn a little bit more about is because I think, you know, because especially like everyone wants to go division one, doesn't matter what sport it is, just sounds better, right? Division one, division one. And I had a good conversation with a, another dad the other day that was, ta- you know, we were talking and, you know, division two, there's a lot of great basketball players, great soccer players that play at the division two level, right? And you know what, you may get you know, some more play time. So how often do you have the conversation around, you know, the levels that, that people want to play at? And I know it's, it's really challenging, especially in today's social media society, you know, you want to put division one athlete in your bio, right. But, you know, do you want to play, right? Like you're talking about, so, you know, how do you help, you know, athletes, you know, kind of process through the division? Yeah. Um, I think I talk a lot. I, I, I ask a lot of questions, right. Uh, I always was that as a coach yeah. as well. And, uh, and so, um, it, right, I kind of center it around what do you want? I always go back. Which, which, why? What do you, what are you looking for? And, um, and so one of the simple things I say to them: there is a champion, there is a national champion at every single level, right? Junior college has a national champion. NAI has a national champion. Every NCAA Division one, two, and three has a national champion. They all have conference champions. So you can be a champion. Right. And so on your, on your Instagram account, does it have to be a division one school or is it just going to say, I'm in blank, blank, blank conference champion, maybe four straight years because I went to this school. Yes, you're exactly right. There are some phenomenal. And, and the reality is in each of those levels, there's crossover where they can literally, where they can have great competition against, right. Let's say there's a national champion and, and really top 50, let's say top 50, top top hundred division two teams that can compete and beat some division one teams, right? Like that's, that's how close it all is, but yeah, there's champions at every level. And I just, I remind them of, of that. So they don't get hung up on it. And I remind them if, if there are people, I ask them, right. Did your parents go? Did they play? Do you have friends who went to another school and, and trying to find, cause more than likely they know someone who went to a non-division one school and played right. some sport that they admire or respect. And it may have everything or nothing to do with the sport. It may be a, a pastor at a church, right? Played college baseball at a division three Christian right. school or something. Right. And then you're like, but he is an amazing man. I just, I love his guidance. Well, he went to a Christian college and they competed for a baseball championship. Right. But he went to college and look at the man you're talking about. So it's things like that. Try to relate it. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really interesting point. And as I kind of think about, you know, the different divisions and the process, I'm curious, you know, as a coach, right, you're able to have, you know, kind of that extra layer of like what you were looking for, 
you know, in recruits. And now you're able to help that for those athletes that want to be recruited. For those athletes that are parents and coaches and, and maybe even the select few athletes that are listening, what like advice do you get generally give athletes to stand out? And I think you brought up a couple of points around, you know, reaching out, showing initiative and kind of like just your, you know, you got to market yourself, but can you kind of dive in a little bit more to the marketing aspect of it? Yeah. I mean, right. People, I mean, what do college coaches want? Our job is to, part of our job is to win games, right? Um, right. And, and again, depending on which level you're going at is where that place places a percentage, right? A higher value. Um, but the reality is every single coach, even uh, uh, even Division One national championship team to any other level you can think of, right? They still want, so right, they want the athleticism. They want what I call the, 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 um, the I call it soccer IQ, right? The IQ of the sport, right? So your sport IQ, your knowledge of the game. We all want skillful players, right? But we have to have people of good character, right? And good students. Because as a college coach, if we know this is a young man or a young lady of just great character, they, that means they want to fit and they want to have a team culture and they want to compete and they're going to be selfless. Because college athletics, if you're a starter or not, you have to be selfless, right? Um, and, and, and being a good student, if you can balance being a student athlete, right, you are going to, you're going to have stressful times. But the reality is you won't have it won't be as overwhelming. There's times and moments of it, but it won't be as, as much, right? So then it's going to allow you to play more free with those pieces, you know? And, and so I think that those are some elements of what, what college coaches in general are, that, right? They have to have, right? The, 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 the sports side specifically, but then these intangibles of who that person is as, as a character, who they are, what their character is, what's their value on, on academics, Right. So specifically as a coach, like how do you find that out about an athlete? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I, you know, and this is one of the, the pieces that I encourage uh, my clients, right? Communication. You're, I'm not going to know as a college coach unless I have contact with the students. Right? right. And, and so, but I want that contact to be both ways because that's going to help me to know their interests. And so we have to have touch points. We have to have contacts. And that could be emails, text messages, phone calls. Um, but, right, can they have a conversation with somebody who is a coach who is five years older than them? Can they have a conversation with a coach who is 15 years, maybe 35 years, right? Like that's, that's right. The, the big piece. So that was always a big thing for me is I'm going to find out about this young person um, from getting to know them and when they and, and coming on campus i want to meet the parents too because parents are an integral part of this because they help go yes i want you to honey honey this is the right place for you go ahead and go right i right. feel comfortable as your parent to to say yes and so i think that because they're your our parents know those children their children better than anybody else good or bad, right? However you want to phrase it. Yeah. And so for me, I think that's a big piece that as that you as the parent and the student athlete, you know, is, is connecting with the coach, the parent supplements, right? But the student athlete drives it. Um, but but I think it's important because it helps us to understand what are their family dynamics in terms of values, right? Like, mm -hmm. if, 
if I if I'm on Tara and I'm coaching her, how is she going to respond? Right? Like if she got grounded at home, how does she respond? Yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah, no, those those are fun questions to ask, and that and that's you know kind of the off the court kind of the character side of things, and but character also shows up on the field and on the court, and so like when you're watching a game, you know what is the kind of like, you know, and I kind of feel like I, I have a general sense, but you know for those that are listening, like in detail from coaches' perspective, per, college coaches' perspective, like what are the you know little body languages, like what are you watching? Yeah, for? that's a, it's a great it's a great question. Uh, body language is is critical. Um, I actually went to watch years ago, I went to watch a, a young lady play and um, right. I went to watch her Well, watching her, this other young lady caught my attention and, uh, and that's going to happen, right? That's going to happen. And uh, they played two different positions, right? So it wasn't anything in that sense bad, um, but their team was losing by three goals. And when I watched this other young lady, she caught my attention. She caught my attention because they're losing, but she was lifting her team up. She was on the field encouraging, come on, guys, we got this. You got this good first touch. Like she's encouraging. Now she's on the ball and she's mm -hmm. magic, right? Technically, she was like, I loved her, right? She was so technical and smooth and composed. But in the midst of her game being so solid there, she was giving to others instead of getting frustrated that they weren't winning and getting frustrated that she didn't get a pass to her. She was saying, we can still do this. And so, right. When I think of body language, hers was the complete opposite of, Oh, really? Hers was like, let's go. So it was that as Tammy calls it, it's that Superman pose in the midst of playing. Like she right. had her shoulders up, her head up. She was just empowering her team with her, with her body and how she was playing the game but also her voice and and your, so those are those are critical we recognize that those are when they're substituted off the court or the field what's their body language look like are they upset because mm -hmm. they get pulled off or are they going okay high five next one in those are all important things that we recognize that's why we go watch you play in person yeah that's so funny because you know, you're talking about you went to go watch someone specifically, and then you find someone else, right? Another person of great character, obviously, you know, similar skill sets, and obviously understands, you know, that soccer IQ, kind of the the coach's checklist. And and I haven't had that kind of perspective myself, but I do, you know, feel like this. That's a really important point for for athletes to listen to. And I know that as a conversation, one of our assistant coaches, he he really works. Um, well with a lot of the younger athletes on our varsity team that want to go and get scholarships and you know just working on body language when you come out right are you you know does it look like you're you know for lack of a better term like cussing out the coach because you're coming out or are you like coming off the court and you know staying locked in and is it consistent so I think that's the one thing that I try and work with athletes too is you know are you just putting on a performance because you know coaches in the stands or like are you there all the time and I know there's that clip I'm not sure. I forget which coach it is, but it, she's like, she said, she's like, I'll go to a game where I'm watching the, their team just beat up on another team, you know, like they're up. I, I will watch that play and see how they interact on the bench. Right. Because in a game like that, you know, the quote unquote, the star player, the player that's going to get recruited is not going to get as much play time. So are they interacted and are they engaged or, you know, they're, are they checked out? Yeah, it is so important. It is, I think, right, there's there's so much more value in, in showing your overall character than just showing your your skills in your sport when you're getting recruited. 
Yeah, the character part is, and that's what's really going to carry on, right? Like you talked about, you know, your former former athlete, and now she's in administration, and now she gets to, you know, kind of like we started the podcast with, give that back, right? And just continue that cycle. And I think that's what we're really in it for as coaches is to continue to give that back and teach them about character that I feel like sports really is the best vehicle to do that. You know, like I interact and engage with quite a few people and I can tell, you know, like who has played at least some sports, whether it's like middle school is when they stopped um, or, you know, all, all the way up to collegiate. But I just feel like there's just some lessons that sports is just such a great vehicle and, and ground to teach. And as we kind of wrap up the, you know, end of this podcast, like I, what would be your final like, words and pieces of advice be for those that are you know wanting to get recruited at the next level and for the parents and coaches that want to support them yeah well. i think it's important that um you utilize your support system around you right um if it's your high mm. school coaches if you're playing in um, a, a, a club a sports club a specific club um go to those coaches um because you probably know someone um that you, you have a lot of you have way more advocates than you think you do Right, and it's it's around the sport itself. Um, but as I use the the pastor um, who who was a college athlete, right? Um, that is a, an advocate for you um, because he can help you to understand what being a student athlete is like. And I think going and asking, right? So many people don't want to ask because they they should know, right? They should be able to look it up on the web all by themselves. And and I think that um, being vulnerable enough to go, I don't know what I don't know, but here's what I want. Here's my goal. Who can help me get there? Because, man, mm. our this country, our heart is in the right place. Like I believe that everybody, when if they get asked of something, most people will go, "What can I do for you? Let me stop what I'm doing. What do you need? Right? And, and it, it could be a financial ask. It could be just time and attention. It could be knowledge from experiences and so we just need to ask right and then the, the those of us being you know being asked need to go you know what somebody helped me once before so it's my turn to give back and so I think asking the question right if you're going through it um right and some of it may be you know connecting with people like me right there's recruiting services I'm not a recruiting service I'm more of that consultant like I'm going to guide you but I'm going to hold you accountable because I want to teach you those skills right. that will take you through life um, but, but again, there's a lot of options out there and, and some you have to pay for and, and some you can get that starting point by asking your closest, um, advocates, you know, in your, in your local sports, your high school teams, um, your churches, uh, your neighbor, you know, maybe your neighbor three doors down that you don't know, y'all get to know her and you realize, wow, you know, she was a gymnast in college or something, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, the support system is huge and, and that's really important. And I also would, you know, kind of double down on what you say about ask, because that is something that's really helped me for the podcasting world, right? Asking people to come on the show and then asking people like Tammy, who then ends up connecting me with 30,000 people that come on the show, right? And, and and that continues to kind of trickle down. But that asking things has been huge, you know, in, in my personal life, you know, post, right? Sports world, kind of like what we were talking about. And, you know, I love that you kind of again, tied it into giving back, you know, as you know, people like, you know, yourself, like you're, you're here on your own time, giving this back to those, you know, parents that are listening and coaches and athletes. And so those that are listening and want to connect with you and learn more about your recruiting services, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. Um, so my website is um, h2athleticadvising.com. 
And uh, I have Facebook, I have Twitter and Instagram, the same thing, H2 Athletic Advising. And uh, those are the best ways. Um, you know, you can go to my website, get my email address, but my email address also is heather at h2athleticadvising.com. And uh, yeah, I, you know, I do a free, a, a free 30 minute consult, right? Because sometimes it's just, they don't know what they need, you know, and, and give you a couple nuggets and you might roll with it and be great, right? And, and so um, I want right. to provide that too, because again, my goal is to help as many people as I can now that I'm out of college coaching. Now I can help more people, right? Navigate this right. whole recruiting process. Yeah, you can continue to get back to the recruiting process and, you know, bring that coach lens and um, there's just a ton of wisdom today. And so I really appreciate you sharing all those, you know, nuggets to kind of, we started with the coach side of things and then kind of went towards the recruiting side of things, which was, which is perfect. You know, for me as someone who's helping a lot of young athletes, high school athletes, it's important for me to understand more on the recruiting side. So um, this was great for myself as well. So I continue, continue to kind of give that back and hopefully, you know, they one day will, you know, continue the cycle of giving back and bridge that impact, you know, hopefully, you know, reach the mission of the podcast. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank Heather. you, Justin. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bridging Impact Podcast. We'd love it if you would like, subscribe, leave a comment and a review on whatever platform you're on. It's the best way to help us grow. We appreciate you for doing that. We'll shout you out on social media. I'd also love if you connected with me on social media. Let me know your thoughts and this is why I do it. I want to share knowledge and wisdom from experienced leaders to people like yourself and myself so we can have this dialogue and move forward make an impact on the world. So stay tuned, stay subscribed, Cheers.